Before we go into the podcast, I want to just talk about a business that I've set up with my friend George. Uh, it is called the Podcast Introduction Group. So if you want to join and be able to be featured on 24 to 48 pods, podcasts to be able to reach an amazing audience, this is the place you need to go to. Podcast being a guest on podcasts is automatically establishing you as an authority and is able to build your personal and professional brand. We handpick of a bank of podcasters that we have to be able to grow your business and brand. We do 100% of everything that needs to be done by my team. You do not need to lift a finger. You are able to expose yourself to new and relevant markets by going on other people's podcasts. You also are able to create brand loyalty. People will love listening to you and coming back to your products or services and it's able to increase your revenue. So if you want to be able to get involved, you can sign up quickly registered with a with an account manager there's an onboarding call where we target the podcasts that you want to be on the type that you want whether it's entrepreneurship business health fitness whatever it is we then match you to those podcasts and you can start your journey we have regular catch-ups with our account managers and google ranks you when people search for you so when people are searching for you you're able to see your podcast at the top of the list. So if you are interested in being a podcast guest on multiple podcasts, we are the place to go. If you go to podcastintroduction.com and go and register your details, we will have an, uh, a quick call with you, uh, match your, your podcast that you want to be on, and we can then start this process ASAP. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Back onto the podcast then. Just one last thing before we go into the podcast, I just wanted to talk to you about the fact that I have a YouTube channel that has been going for quite some time and I am recording and releasing all of my interviews with some short videos as well on YouTube. So please do check it out, YouTube on Absolute Business Mindset. You'll see a bunch of interviews there, all the longer format interviews and some short videos as well. So please enjoy that. And here goes with the podcast interview. I'm going to click record. This is the Absolute Business Mindset podcast, created and hosted by Mark Hayward. This podcast will interview entrepreneurs, business owners, and people in their careers. We will delve into their journey to success, key life milestones, and go deep into their area of expertise. Get ready to learn from other successes and failures. Today, we have Walter Dalabert, who is the CEO and co-founder of Magtas. Uh, hello, Walter. How are you today? Hello, Mark. Thanks for having me. Greetings from Singapore. Yes. How are you going? I'm doing all right. We're doing all right in London. We are, we are kind of, we're not in lockdown at all at the moment, but COVID is still, is still popping its head. Omicron variant is still uh, influencing our politics and economy, but we seem to be getting by at the moment. At least you're not complaining about the weather. <laughs> no, <that's a laughs> which would have normally way. happened in january <laughs> so here in singapore nice 30 degrees celsius humid oh. as always chance for a shower uh oh, that's pretty wow. much it and but yeah COVID has been under control here but they've been quite strict right right so it's been a tough journey but we've been very lucky very few deaths good um and yeah as we're probably going to discuss later 
um, is an opportunity when there's a crisis, right? Absolutely. So that's how, how um, our company started. Absolutely. All right. So, so Walter, let, let's talk, before we go into your education, you said to me just a minute ago before we came on that you've, you've lived in 10 different countries. Yeah. So I have a, had a pretty colorful upbringing, right? So, so my father is an agricultural engineer. Right now he works for the World Food Program. United Nations. Yeah. Um, and as a family, we just traveled a lot. For instance, I was born in Congo, um, as an example. And, and for some reason, they still called me Wouter, um, which nobody can pronounce unless you're from Belgium or the Netherlands. So the <laughs> number one mistake they made. And then, then spent a couple of years in China, Wuhan, coincidentally, wow. which wow. wasn't known till about a year ago yeah. or a year and a half. Um, spent some time in Yemen. Um, then we, uh, I did my elementary school in Rwanda, uh, central Africa as well, where we were all the way till 95 till the genocide where we had to escape. Um, and then eventually ended up in Philippines where I spent 10 years of my life, um, where I found my co-founder of my current business, uh, where I did my, my high school and my, you know, my bachelor's right before I did my master's in Belgium. And then as I started working, I, I, I had four or five other countries that I then worked in and got uh, to service clients, uh, as part of my, my journey. What do you so, think, uh, what, yeah. do you, what do you think, uh, what do you think you bring having that experience of living in so many different countries? To, so, to your business, to your life, to your personality, what do you think it brings to you? I think that's a very good question. And, and in hindsight, it's fantastic, right? You see all these cultures opened up your mind. You've seen all these countries. You learn how to integrate, right? Uh, be it via sports or just by being part of the local community. We never went to international schools or anything like that. But at the time itself, it's always a bit tough, right? Because you finally get into a groove. You're part of a local football team. You like a local girl, whatever, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, you leave and you go to the other side of the world and, and start a new life. Um, but that has pretty much been my life, to be honest. And, 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 you know, you, you, you're forced to be flexible. You're forced to adapt. Uh, and, and you're forced to integrate. And I, I think you pick up a lot of things from different cultures, which has been really good because today the world has opened up, right? And it's, it's only opening up more. Our whole business, which I'll talk about later, is about providing global services across different cultures. And that has really helped me. Our team is very multicultural as well. Um, I think if you're, if you don't know how to work with different cultures and not respect it, um, yeah, you're at a disadvantage. So I had a bit of an advantage growing up in hindsight. Yeah. And, and absolutely the world, as you say, is getting smaller all the time. I know COVID has hit hard on, tra- on global travel, but w- as you say, like Wuhan, we, we knew, had no idea about Wuhan, but like some people now it's even to, 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 today, it's like you, you talk about your, the, the, places you're in in africa they're still quite remote places to go to but they're definitely more uh open and more um more available for people to go and travel to and, and experience oh 100 percent. and this is like we are an early stage startup but we are in 30 markets uh, including africa right um but yeah i think i think it's also what type of personality is molded as part of it, right? I think, I think it just creates 
you know, having an open mind uh, and and knowing how to step into different culture, I think has been pretty good. And and you know, I, I'm now a, a young dad. I have a, a daughter who is one. I would love that she can have a similar upbringing. Although we love her life in Singapore, I hope we do get to travel and that she also gets to see a lot of the world before she 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 starts on her on her journey right um and beyond that like sports for instance was another good thing right one thing that was really funny i was having this conversation with someone uh just a week ago like it's funny how like i play football right and and it's funny if you know how to play a little bit and you score a couple of goals it doesn't matter where you play Mm. it's a universal language it's an equalizer and all of a sudden integration becomes quite easy so you, you you look you're forced to look for other ways to kind of form connections with people, which I think has been quite a good experience for me. Absolutely. All right. So let's go into your your degree and your masters, which were both in business and information technology. So what made you choose those subjects? Um. Oh, so 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 when I started my bachelor's, right. Um, it's funny how we're forced to make a decision when we have no clue, <laughs> right? You're 16 years old. Uh, I was going to do my bachelor's and it was in the Philippines, actually, business computer applications. Um, and I just wanted something which didn't require me to memorize. I always felt I was good at logic. Um, and and I, I took the right course for me because I fell in love with building stuff, building software in, in, in this case. And then um, one thing that the Philippines brought to me I do in my bachelor's in the Philippines. I think they uh, I know they're very much focused on teamwork, on street smarts, mm-hmm. less on theoretical, much more on getting stuff done as a team, which was great. Um, and then I decided to do my master's in Belgium, uh, in IT, in information technology, which was way more theoretical, I would say, mm-hmm. but also good from a different angle. So you're, you're, you're taught to be very structured and, and, and be a big thinker, an outside the box thinker, which, which I think was really good. Now, what, I just I, I, I decided to continue uh, in IT because I just love building stuff for some reason. And and the one thing I love the most is like, okay, I know how to code. Like for instance, Mangtas, I built it with my own hands, and now there's a tech team that's that's carrying that forward. Mm-hmm. But it's more, it's also the the the, the connection connecting technology to business, understanding what businesses needs, and then building the tech to enable that. And I always found that fascinating how you can, you know, talk business and then create something to then develop that and, and, and really achieve business outcomes. Uh, and, and just loving, I'm a builder. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so let's move on. Your, your first major role was as an IT consultant in, is it Walters Flumer? Is that, is that bad? Sure. <laughs> no, so, so I, yeah, uh, it's Walter Skluer. And at the time, we were not called that. So um, so basically what happened is I, um, I graduated my master's. Um, I then decided to go back to an island in the Philippines and just do nothing, like party. <laughs> basically, I was an island partying for three months. And then I got really bored for some strange reason. Like I really wanted to achieve certain things. And and there was this company that reached out to me and they were a company called Financial Architects back in the, t- in the day, a Belgian company. And they said, and, and I, I had quite some job offers because IT was in demand, especially from Belgium, but I didn't want to live in Belgium. 
Like I grew up in all these other countries and, and I, I didn't want to be in a cold country. I like the optimism of Asia. So, so I was on, on the beach in Asia. But what they told me was, uh, yeah, we're looking for an international consultant, somebody that's willing to travel and do projects for us all over the world. Mm. And it took me literally one second. Okay, that's me. Um, and that's how I started. So I worked with them. So what we did, we, we were a fintech company. Um, I started off as, as yeah, entry level and then, uh, you know, built myself up to, to ultimately looking after uh, the region. Asia Pacific at the end. So they sent me on, on projects all over the world. Um, I, Philippines was one of them. I had Indonesia, Thailand, Hong Kong for a while, and then eventually Singapore. And that's where I settled. Right. And you did a few different roles. You did some sales as well as the IT consultant, um, the roles. What did you learn from the, from the sales experience? Yeah, so so I probably wore every hat there was to wear okay. uh, in a company that eventually got acquired by a bigger company where I got to wear, again, all the other hats that I could wear. And ultimately, when I, once I wore all the hats, that's when I left. Um, and, and pre-sales especially uh, was one of them. Um, now, one thing I learned, a couple of things. Uh, one is I feel expertise is overrated. That's my view of the world, right? There's a people that either say you're either an expert or you're a generalist. And I always felt like, I think it's very important to just adapt, learn, evolve, and jump on opportunities when they come. And I've been very lucky in my career that when, when opportunities came, and I, I wasn't shy to basically say, okay, I'm going to do this, they would have give, they always gave it to me. But it was then up to me to figure it out. Like, for instance, I became a project manager on a project in many companies, probably a decade too early. But I said, no, I'm going to do it. And there was, I was just at the right point, the right time. They gave it to me and I just proved myself. Same with pre-sales, sales, same with, with, with uh, any other role that I had uh, within the company. So, so one, so basically what I learned was it's okay to, to, to just, you know, if there's an opportunity to just take it. And then figure it out as you go along and be resourceful as you do it and just back yourself. Now, to answer your question more concretely, look, um, at the end of the day, we're now, I'm now building a tech business and, and I'm more than just tech, obviously, right? Uh, you need to understand the sales side of things to be, to, to, to basically have business and, 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 and make it right. You can't have a business without sales. Mm -hmm. So yeah. You learn, you learn how to, and, and to be honest, sales depends on the context, right? So in, in my context, B2B sales, uh, is, is very different from, from B2C, for instance, right? So, so learned how to, you know, the whole, the whole marketing funnel, how to then close the deal and then how to take care of your customers and upsell, cross sell the whole shebang. I'm now bringing that to, to my new business. And, and when you were the director of Asia Pack, you were dealing with 40 products, 20 regulators, 10 countries, 200 clients, 200 employees and 25 million annual, $25 million annual revenue. So that's, that, that, that's a, that's a pretty big, you've got a, you, you've got a pretty big scope on what you were doing. Just talk me through a couple of the products that you were actually selling to your clients. Yeah. So, so we were. 
as as a company. So this is my my previous company, right? Mm-hmm. So so we were basically looked at us as an ERP system for banks. That's essentially what, what was ERP. Uh, uh, enterprise resource planning. So okay. basically integrating all your systems where you then do risk management, accounting, yep. um, and then regulatory compliance. And I was looking after a very specific division in the regulatory compliance space, uh, including business analytics around it. Now, one thing we, for instance, did, and a sample product that we built, marketed, uh, brought to market, implemented, and sold for, for over... 30 to 40 clients here in Singapore was we built a regulatory compliance product. Now, what that meant was we consolidate all the data from the banks, from their many different systems into one platform. And then we had an automated standard off the shelf product that produced all the compliance returns for the regulators locally. That's an example of a product that we built um, that we then maintained and deployed for all the major banks here in Singapore. So I was accountable for that. That's an example. I thank you. Um, How was innovation key to your success as a consultant? (laughs) Yeah, very good question. And, 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 how do I put it? It's, it's funny how innovation, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a big, big evangelist when it comes to innovation. Like, or I love to, to challenge the status quo and change things. And it's, it's, how do I put it? In certain companies, it's easier than in others. Certain companies set themselves up for innovation and, and allow you to think outside the box and come up with creative solutions yeah. while others don't. So um, it is important. So we were market leading. Right, so it's a different angle to uh, to to what I do today. We were market leading, which means you're constantly challenged with edgy new companies that come up with new ways of thinking. That that I mean, the advantage that you should have as a company that's big and market leading is you have resources to stay on top. Um, now, the disadvantage that you have is you become big, and there's red tape and there are structures that come in place and politics and all that, that may prevent you from being agile and actually innovating properly. So innovation uh, was important in, in many different ways for us, be it innovation from a process perspective, the way we built our software, right? Um, and, and converting us to agile and, 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 and taking innovative approaches back in the day uh, to, 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 you know, taking age-old problems and, and rethinking them, right? We now had access to, for instance, a whole pool of AI experts and we applied machine learning and artificial intelligence to something which was traditionally very procedural. Um, and, and that allowed us to stay edgy and, and, and allowed us to get, to gain the confidence and keep the confidence of, of the clients that we had and also win more business, right? And, and things can always be done better. Right. Um, it's either you think about it or somebody else will. So uh, we made sure to always to always innovate. Um, and you, you talked about agile in, in sort of, of a, as a methodology. So were, were you quite early stage using agile methodology in, in your technology business? We'll be back after a quick break. 
If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so basically, um, when I joined, we were completely what we call waterfall in the yeah. software development yeah. world, which was basically, you know, you come up with a plan for a year and you, you, <laughs> you basically hope for the best, but within one day, you're already missing the, the, the milestones on the plan, right? Yeah. Um, and it took you two months to create that plan, by the way, and get it all signed off. Um, that's, that's when we came in and, and, and spearheaded a whole initiative um uh to convert the whole organization into agile mm-hmm. um and and we it was very funny because you know it's people need to see it first right people you need to kind of evangelize show how it's done but then more importantly it was also about getting the backing from the management team yeah. and making sure it was given the right support. So to answer your question, yes, uh, I came in when it was non-existent and then we spearheaded it into actually converting it into a fully agile uh, company with, with, you know, in our case, we had, I think, fortnightly sprints and really with, with, a, with a proper product owner role, Scrum Master, and really being able to listen to the market and, and make ROI decisions flexibly, right? Sure. Quickly getting pieces of software out there testing it, getting feedback on it and, and evolving from there rather than coming up with one year plans. Um, and that made a massive difference to our business for sure. Yeah. So I, I worked at PwC for a number of years in their tech. So we, we used agile. What, you say you have to evangelize it. Our, our tech lead was very much pushing for the whole of the business to turn to that. And actually it works incredibly well in a software environment. It, 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 it just makes everyone accountable. It makes everyone hitting milestones, daily milestones, and then then sort of monthly milestones. So, um, yeah, the reason why I asked was I was interested that what sort of challenges you sort of faced initially against people who were who maybe unsure or, or more used to the waterfall mentality. Yeah, and maybe to, to complete your, your, your point, right, I think agile is, is very much a mindset. Um, and, and goes way beyond software, right? We, we apply agile and agile methodology to everything that we do. Um, even the way we manage the business as a whole is, is very agile. And, 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 and it's really all about making sure that you make ROI decisions incrementally and quickly, right? And making things painfully visible quickly. <laughs> it's not a magic bullet, but at least it brings a lot of transparency and like you say, ownership and accountability. But to your point, um, mindset switches in big organizations is, yeah, you need to, on one hand, I think what we did right and what I learned as as part of this process innovation is is about achieving things but also very much about building a case Mm -hmm. and and getting enough buy-in from the right people to then execute on it properly and what we did right was we quickly did stuff without 
the blah blah of planning and budgeting and we just did it right and and we did it in our spare time almost and and then we got enough backing eventually from the right people that made the decisions at the right levels to then make it a proper program and mandate it so the i would say the main challenge is because agile in my opinion is a mindset it's no magic it's really a different way of thinking um nobody will do it just because right people most people will 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 need the guidance instructions the framework the tools um to to be put in place first so ultimately it's about building the right business case and getting the backing of the right people to then execute on it and that's in big organizations the hardest part yeah absolutely you have to get by it's the buy-in point that frustrates me so i left corporate uh just over a year ago and uh entrepreneurship in some ways is easier because you don't have to get buy-in from 20 different places you just need to get buy-in from yourself and, and 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 push forwards so let's talk about that let's talk about you 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 left during covid times as well to to co-found magtus so why don't you tell me a little bit about your business sure sure and let me tell you a little bit about um how i got there maybe yeah. as well right to put a bit of color to that so so I was working for this company, as you as you described, quite a good position, well respected. I was taken care of, quite quite honestly, right? I was living a comfortable life. My wife was pregnant, and the pandemic started, <laughs> and I felt that I was no longer passionate about the problems that I was solving. And by that, I didn't mean the day to day problem. I meant the bigger problem the contribution I was bringing to the world in general and to my customers, right? I, I quite enjoyed my job until I stopped learning. And then I was like, okay, what am I really doing here? And and I've, at that point, it felt a little bit like I was wasting life, um, although I was very comfortable. So I took a very bold step and basically quit in the middle of the pandemic um with my wife pregnant in the most expensive city in the world right so without salary or anything and everybody said no literally everybody right um you can only imagine that i had maybe had one mentor said no nah, no nah, you know yourself. do you know what walter i did exactly the same middle ah. of covid left my put in inverted commas secure job to do my own thing so i can totally empathize with that i've got a wife and two kids so uh yeah nerve-wracking yeah it is still is to a point now with the different things but why did you take that risk you you said it because you weren't feeling you were being you were being taught anymore but but what what made you strike out on your own and not get another corporate role i i so one back to the points we're trying to make earlier i wanted to move at a million miles an hour i was moving at 10 right i wanted to solve a problem that i am super passionate about and i want to make a, a real difference and and i always say this i always preach this but but it was a high time i lived it as well um and and i know for a fact that whatever happens i'll, I'll be okay right i'll figure it out um so it just felt right but more importantly the pandemic also <laughs> There's so many crises that happen in your lifetime. And, and while it's, it's terrible, obviously, right? And, and, you know, people that I know have passed away. 
there's always a silver lining to these things. And, and one thing that will happen in a pandemic uh, like this is people are forced to rethink their business and the way they do business to survive. Mm. Now, if you want to make it, so that means a lot of opportunities are actually will pop up and you can make, play a major, uh, you can influence this massively. You can help a lot of businesses achieve this. Mm. Um, and that's one thing I realized. So I had no concrete idea or plan, but I knew that if I gave myself a new brain, enough brain space that I would figure it out, that I would find it, I would see it. And, and, and ultimately that's what happened. So I, I ultimately um, found one major, major pain point, which is massive, a trillion dollar business that is unbelievably outdated and fragmented which is the B2B or business-to-business outsourcing space. And something that I've done my entire life, um, as both as, as a provider, uh, a provider of the service, as well as somebody as a user of, of an outsourcing service. Um, and, and one thing I realized, there was a pain point that I discovered and felt myself as I was working initially on another problem, which was more in the sports tech space. And then I wanted to, to build my own tech team. And I realized, why is outsourcing so unreliable and so hard? Mm. Freelancers is okay, right? And there are marketplaces out there where you can have freelancers. But I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for strategic business relationships that mm. I could form and invest in and do outsourcing with. And my only solutions available to me were Google. So that was a major pain point that I wanted to solve. I'm like, hey, why is this so hard? Let me jump on this and, and see if I can gain some traction here and never look back. So, so you're an outsourcing uh, platform which does software, UX design, graphic design, digital marketing, SEO, virtual system, website design. So, so you, you provide those services with outsourcing to to where? where 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 do you outsource to so uh, it's a good question so so and and maybe to clarify a little bit the scope of what we do um sorry can you still hear me yeah go for it yeah, okay okay cool um so basically to clarify a little bit further on that so so one is we cover technology we cover business development and we cover uh digital marketing Right. And those are three core sets of services that any startup or scale up needs. Um, and we provide this to anyone in the world, really. Um, now, the way we do it is we don't provide the service. We're a marketplace, right? So we're an aggregator. So the same way that the freelancer marketplaces work, where the, the, the people that provide the service sign up and come to the marketplace to deliver it, we work with vendors, which are businesses. So we sign up vendors. We vet them um, and, and we match them to client needs all over the world. Um, so that's that's it in a nutshell, really. Um, do you get your services, the people that uh, that that work uh, for these companies, are they from Philippines? Are they from Asia? Are they from India, Africa? Where, where is there any particular demographics that you sort of uh, work with? It's a good question. And, and we're now in, in, in 30 markets, right? Um, but because of my roots in the Philippines, that seemed like a logical starting point for us, right? So that's where we kick things off. Because I'm also based in Singapore, um, a very easy starting point for us was to find vendors that deliver services 
out of the Philippines to clients that receive and buy services in Singapore. That was an easy solution for us. And especially tech, that was quite a, an easy one to start with. Um, now, since then, we have, we have obviously evolved, right? So, so we, 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 we're just over half a year old, but, but yeah, we have Vietnam on it, India, Sri Lanka. We have now over 700 vendors on the plat, uh, on the platform. And we're about to complete our 100th project very soon. Um, still very early days, but for a young company that just built a tech out of nothing, this is quite significant traction in my eyes. And what sort of clients, companies do you work with? Um, so startups and scale-ups typically, and typically people that have some sort of a tech angle, right? So, so what we find is that, you know, uh, people that have some budget to start outsourcing and say, hey, we need to grow, we need to scale up, we need to build our tech properly. Um, and they then think, okay, rather than hiring our own tech team, we could outsource this to an external vendor that specialized in this, has done this, has a proven track record, mm. and can, just, can do this at a fraction of a cost. What they'll also find is, hey, now I need to do lead generation or business development. Do I go and cold call myself or do I go to an agency that is specialized in this and can do this cost effectively? Same with digital marketing. Do I want to manage my own social media? Do I want to do my own ads? Do I do my own SEO? Again, there's so many specialized agencies out there that can do this at, at, at a fraction of the cost and do this really well. Um, and, and what we always say is, is do what you do best. There's something that you are really good at. You should keep that in-house by all means. But all the rest, you should be outsourced. And, you, and that's where we come in. Yeah. Do you use your own outsourced partners for your own business? So of course. For your, for of your course. digital marketing or your, your, your software development, you use your own clients as well. You don't, do, you don't have in-house people. Uh, we, we have both, right? Uh, as we should. So we eat our own dog food as we call it, right? So uh, we use our own platform to manage our own vendors and we use about eight, nine vendors for different types of services. Um, yeah, of course. And we, we have, uh, you know, we, we manage our costs well and we have traction very quickly. Um, of course we do. We, we, we believe in the model and, and we live it ourselves. <laughs> Good. Uh, and and uh, looking through the the sort of the boards that you've got there and you 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 talk about that these are childhood friends to football teammates to business partners um how difficult is it to to run a business with people that have been long-term friends we'll be back after a quick break Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. It's, it's, it's a very good question. And actually, the answer is it's easy. Um, but it's dangerous, right? Um, and, and you need to... 
have the discipline to know how to separate the two, right? So um, let's. if I take a step back, the hardest part by far, by far, 95% of the problem is the team, is finding the right people at the right time with the right motivation, right skill set to help execute on that vision with full commitment, <laughs> right? Um, and... I was part of an accelerator before this. Okay. Um, uh, accelerator called Antler. Um, and, and so that's where I work on the sports idea. So, so I, it's been a long winding journey. So before I did Mangta, so I was actually working on something else. And I loved, and it's, it's a long winded answer, but I have a point, Mark. <laughs> so what they do is they basically, you come there as a solo co-founder, as they call it. And you come in, and the great thing about this, you were there are thousands and thousands of applicants. They only and select about 70 or 50. And these are great people, every single one of them. And they're all there for one purpose, is to find a match that they can start a business with, basically to find a co-founder. Mm-hmm. A great, great concept and, on, and, and found some great people there um, on paper, on paper. Okay. Then... When we had an idea and we got the investment, actually, so the, at the end game, there's a shark tank and they will invest in you when they like you. And a few, only a few teams made it. We made it. Um, very quickly, when we hit the real world, I started realizing, like, okay, wow, this is not what I thought it was. And, you know, it wasn't the right, uh, let's call it the team market fit. So we returned the investment and, and I moved on. And then... I, I very quickly realized like, yeah, it's, it's very much also about the personalities and these people that I then, that I've done business with in the past successfully was really no brainer to solve this new problem with. And, and, and cause I knew exactly the type of commitment and the type of energy and the type of grit they would bring to the table. I knew exactly how we would complement each other. Um, so I think it's it's to a certain extent it's actually very easy because you truly know each other. You know everything comes from a good place, even when it's frustrating. The 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 the, the battle, sorry, not the battles, but the debates can be can be a bit hard. But at the end of the day, as long as you separate business from friendship very clearly, yeah. it's very manageable. And actually, it's it's probably a great formula. We'll see. Time will tell. Yes. <laughs> How have you developed systems and processes? for your business because it sounds like you've gone from a few of you to now you've got a team you've got your board who all have the responsibilities you also have some developers that help you and work with you plus probably digital marketers and marketers and sales and so how have you developed your own systems and processes with your growing team Systems and processes, so including, I guess, our platform, right? Yeah. And and um, simply put, incrementally grown it, right? So so we, um, if I take a step back, when we had this idea of Mangtas, right? Wow, trillion dollar market, business to business outsourcing. We know this space so well. We have so much access to to the providers, all that, and also the clients. Let's test this out and, and, and really validate our assumptions here, right? So we, very, we took this approach to always have critical assumptions and get these validated quickly um, in, in terms of supply, in terms of demand, and in terms of technology. 
And the way we did it, really, we had a beer when, uh, on, on, on Haji Lane here downstairs. And we came up with the idea. The next day, we started prototyping. Ten days later, we had five vendors signed up on a platform that we cobbled together. Right? Literally, like, boom. And this is kind of the mindset that, that we're instilling throughout the organization. Like, forget perfection. Right? Get it out there. Test it. Validate it. And then grow from there because very quick, because the last thing you want to do is spend half a year building something that's not fit for purpose because on some critical assumptions that you did not validate quickly enough. Um, so that's really how we grew. So really step by step within three weeks, we had our very first client signed up to the platform that then did a project uh, in, within three weeks. And we didn't know the client nor the vendor up front. Again, validating all the different steps. And that's how we operate as an organization, just growing incrementally, just week by week assessing what are we validating now? What are we focusing on and growing there? Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we are now, you know, what I call in Mangtas phase two, which is a little bit more structure, right? Uh, where, where we prepare ourselves for scaling up 10x. Um, and, and now we are also taking a step back. We're still doing the week to week learning, but also taking a step back and putting in the right foundations. Uh, and like you mentioned, the processes, but always evidence-based, right? I hate nothing more than, you know, a, a big consulting type of approach where they have like a, a six-month assessment to come up with a strategy. No, no, we, we think, we do, and then we learn and quickly evolve from there. So that's how we operate culturally. Fantastic. Thank you. So where do you see yourself in the next two to five years with your business? Um. Yeah, so we, we have ambitious targets, right? So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, we're going to grow 10x this year. There's absolutely no doubt about it, right? Even though, you know, we're still very young and we, we, we're continuously prototyping, we have some really good strategies in place and focus points, more importantly, that we are all working together on um, to make sure we hit those targets. So, so step one, true focus. Um, so if I take a step back, um, we have really positioned ourselves as, you know, the go-to platform, the one-stop shop for outsourcing. Um, and this is across tech. This is across uh, lead generation again and digital marketing. But now what we're going to do is really zoom in into a couple of very specific services. And what we're really excited about is the tech platforms of the future helping scale-ups build these platforms. And what that means, that is nailing the crypto space, right? H allowing them to build top-notch solutions with the best possible providers out there. That means also metaverse integration. That means building, you know, something that can handle millions of transactions per second. Building these type of platforms of the future is what we're really excited about and something we're going to zoom into quite extensively. So we, we look forward to really, um, you know, zooming in and, and nailing those services, but also our platform. We're very excited about some of the things that we're working on. Uh, we are embedding uh, machine learning and, and AI-based searching to allow our clients to come up when they build their, their briefs for their requirements that we have automated sophisticated matches to the right vendors up front. With, with standard project structures recommended as part of this. Um, we also aim to be an ecosystem um, where we integrate with loads of third parties, which we already do today, 
But API-based, we want to be central to, if possible, hundreds of third parties, be it from, from financing um, to even donations to charities to, to whatever you want to integrate in there. We want to be this holistic solution um, for anything and everything related. So, you know, very, very exciting times ahead. Um, short-term, or let's say medium-term, growing 10x. And then it's about making outsourcing global and accessible to anyone. But also, finally, and this is probably as important to us as, as anything else, and that is making sure that this is an equal opportunity platform, which means that if I'm a vendor and I'm good, I can be discovered in a very straightforward way. I can be discovered based on customer success and not based on how well I have re reverse engineered Google or the SEO, because that's how you're discovered today. Mm. We want to provide all these uh, good vendors a platform to build up a reputation and earn quote-unquote miles and statuses so they can be discovered and grow their business fully focused on, on customer satisfaction. So really excited. Ambitious targets you've got there, Walter. Amazing. Thanks, Mark. All right, so we're coming to the end of the interview. I asked the same six questions to all of my guests. They're quick-fire questions. They don't need a quick-fire answer. Um, they're a little bit thought-provoking, Walter, so um, just be prepared. The first question is, what's the best decision that you made in your career? Okay, it's a quick-fire question, but not quick-fire answer, right? <laughs> yeah, go on, Let me quickly think about this. Best decision I made in my career. Ooh. I think I would say, I mean, time will tell, right? Um, if it was really the best decision. Uh, but really, uh, back to what I mentioned earlier, just, you know, backing myself and jumping on, an on this opportunity of starting my own business and following my own path rather than settling for comfort, um, which was a very, very tough decision to make. And I'm sure a lot of people want to make those decisions, that decision and, and don't make them. Um, I would, that would be probably the best one and the bravest one I've made to date. Um, and hopefully that will also turn out to be a good one. Fingers <laughs> crossed for you. Absolutely. A smart one. What's the best piece of advice you've been given? Been given. Mm. Back yourself. This was given by one person, one person only out of probably 100. And I said, look, I know you, you know you, back yourself, trust that you'll figure it out. And that was probably the last push I needed. You should have that person prominent in your life because those sorts of people that say that to you as, a, as an entrepreneur, they're good people to have about because they'll, they'll help you through the hard times as well as the good times. So... Yes, yes. That's a good person. 100%. Um, who's helped you most in your career? That's a tough question to ask because I had so many different good mentors. Um, I, 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 there's not one person. Uh, I, we'll give a few shout outs then if you want. Yeah, I, I, could, I could say my father, but yeah, that was kind of, uh, uh, you know, somebody to bounce ideas off and give some advice from the side. That was great. I would say I've, I've only had great people as supervisors. So for instance, a guy called James Stewart, 
has been fantastic for me. Uh, I, I worked very closely with him for a year and a half. Um, Rajat uh, Somali, uh, Somani has been a great one, a great mentor that I had. Uh, Chris Puppe, uh, another great person that I reported to uh, for, for, for a year or two. And they, they all, I think the one thing they all gave me and what they had in common was is they they trusted me they gave me the freedom and they backed the ability for all of it and i think that's 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 what i really that's what they all had in common i feel mm. um they they basically said okay you know here's a problem i wanted to solve it they gave me the freedom to solve it and they backed me regardless of the outcome uh, and i like this kind of you know, non-micromanagers. <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I like to adopt that in my own style as well. Okay, awesome. Do you have any regrets? None. Never. Zero. I never will. <laughs> I make sure I never have any regrets. No. Okay. Zero. Uh, what are you most proud of? The cliche answer. <laughs> so basically, definitely my, my, my wife and my child, right? Mm-hmm. Super proud of, of, of them. And, and they have given me a completely new perspective on life. In business, it's really also the team that we managed to assemble and the team that we have, that has come together and, and really executed as one team. Um, from the, from the startup's perspective, it's really the team, um, in my private life, obviously my daughter, my wife. Okay. What does legacy mean to you? Good question. And, 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 and this is also how I justify taking this massive risk. It is basically being able to tell my daughter when she's 18, it's okay to follow your dreams uh, and, 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 and say it with credibility, right? And say it because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, quitting my job when, when, when most people wouldn't have, um, you know, it's easy to say it, but it's harder to do. I want to be able to practice what I preach and then, you know, say it with credibility. And, and that to me is probably the most important part, being that, that, that role model for my daughter and being able to, to, to teach her things with credibility. Amazing. Thank you. And where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Uh, on LinkedIn. Um, we can include a, a link, I yeah. guess. So, so, or look for me, Wouter Delbare. Just type my name. I'm sure you'll find me. Um, LinkedIn will probably be the easiest one. You can always send me uh, an email as well, uh, wouter.delbare at mangtas.com. Um, but LinkedIn will be easiest. I respond pretty quickly to people. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Wouter. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Mark, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers.